the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the April issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Pastures and Drought, Response and Impact. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the author, Ben Beckman, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. Thanks for joining me today, Ben. Happy to be here with you, Aaron. Well, Ben, as we look at the drought monitor for the state of Nebraska, it continues to grow in strength. And depending on where you're at in the state, it's a little worse than others. But we're going to need to see some significant precip here in the next 60 days if we're going to get the grass off to a good start. Whether or not that happens remains to be seen. But right now, the thing we need to be thinking about is if these dry conditions continue and we continue to see these drought impacts occur, what's going to be the the effects of that on our range and pasture as we go into the spring. And that's really the focus of your article. Talk about with us the short-term and the long-term impacts of drought on pasture and range. What are some things we need to think about and remember under current conditions? Well, Aaron, I, you know, we were really hoping that we wouldn't have to have this conversation this early in the year, but just understanding what the lack of precipitation does from a, a forage standpoint in our, our perennial grasslands, whether that's, you know, a cool season pasture or a, a warm season pasture is, is really important as we start looking forward and, and start making some plans for this upcoming grazing season and keeping a, a mind, like you said, on, on what's that going to do on the short term. And then there's these long-term effects that can happen as well as we, you know, have prolonged drought as we make some choices and some stocking decisions that can really impact our, our herd, our productivity and pastures for years to come. So these are all things that we need to be keeping in the back of our mind as we're going forward and preparing for this year's growing season. You know, right off the bat, short-term impacts, um, you know, of course, if we don't get, you know, a substantial amount of precipitation here with as open of a winter as we had with as much wind as we've had across the state. Um, If you look at any of those maps that um, show soil moisture content, uh, Nebraska's sitting in a pretty big deficit right now. And so a lot of that, you know, reserve moisture that we might have drawn on, you know, if we had a dry summer, you know, a lot of times if we have a wet spring that can hold us over quite a ways, you know, we're heading into spring here already depleted. And so if we don't get that precipitation right off the bat here. The plants that as they start to green up and we start to have growth are really going to be struggling for moisture. They're going to really be utilizing whatever precipitation that we have is is all they're going to have to go off of in a lot of cases. And that's possibly going to really impact, you know, what we have in terms of early season growth. I know there's another article that's on the podcast and, and came up on Beef Watch for this month that's going to be talking about utilizing trigger dates in some of our planning. And um, that's something that I encourage you know, producers to either listen to the podcast on or, or go read that article because you know, understanding what we're looking at in terms of precipitation, what impact that has on you know, our, our short-term amount of, of forage that's being grown is, is going to be really critical because, um, like I said, those, those reserves just aren't there this year when we're looking at those short-term impacts. Ben, let's talk a little about the physiology of what happens to a grass plant. We're thinking about perennial pastures here, whether that's an introduced species like smooth brome, or we're talking about native grass. What happens under really dry conditions to that plant? How does it try to deal with that to just keep itself alive? Well, I kind of think of a a plant a little bit, Aaron, as a, a factory. 
And so that plant is taking in sunlight as a, a source of energy. That's their fuel. And they're either utilizing that to grow. So they're expanding onto their factory through the roots to get, you know, moisture or through above ground growth um, to get more sunlight, or they're putting some of that energy away into storage for long-term storage. So they can, you know, draw upon that, utilize it later. And as we get less and less precipitation, that plant can't maintain the infrastructure. Uh, basically, you know, the, the stomata on the plant have to start closing down the, the photosynthetic capabilities of that plant slow down because every time that plant, cool season plants especially, every time that plant has to use energy to photosynthesize, it has to open up pores in the leaves to get carbon dioxide in and it's losing moisture out um, through those pores. So it has to start closing those down. We don't get as much photosynthesis happening and the plant just can't maintain as much of an infrastructure. So it starts to, to shut itself down to protect itself. Um, so that's when we see a lot of those species go dormant. And anyone who's dealt with cool season plants knows this very well. You know, if you have a brome pasture, you're pretty used to having, you know, that slump during the hot days of the summer where it might stay green, but we're just not experiencing as much growth. Um, and that's because that plant's protecting its moisture. It's, it's starting to kind of go dormant a little bit. And if it continues to be dry, it will really go dormant and pull all those reserves back as much as it can. Our warm season species are a little bit better adapted at this. They do a little bit different um, photosynthetic pathway. And so they can maintain moisture um, within the plant a little bit better. But if there's no moisture to be had, they're still going to suffer and they're going to go dormant as well. And so when we look at limiting productivity and, and those plants going dormant and, and our pastures just not growing um, without that water to, to fuel the photosynthesis, you know, those plants are protecting themselves. And so it's really kind of just a, a major stressor that we're putting on that plant. And that's something, you know, I, I think that we all need to keep in mind, especially when we're looking at, you know, some of the long-term impacts of drought. We're already stressing plants in our pastures by grazing them. You know, we're removing that above ground tissue that's used to produce energy to photosynthesize. And so that plant has to pull from its reserves in order to regrow after we do a grazing period. And that's why, you know, rest after grazing is, is really important for maintaining pasture health. If we throw another major stressor like drought on top of it, you know, we're really causing that plant to have to pull all of its energy reserves out in order to just stay alive, in order to, to regrow after the stress period passes. And so, um, you know, we start to find circumstances where, you know, the, the plant area that it actually covers shrinks, you know, we might have some, you know, plant death if it continues too long. And in any case, we're just really decreasing the amount of, of productivity that we see in those plant species. And it might take them quite a long time to actually recover and build up energy reserves and, and build up their, their vitality and vigor enough. Um, so we get back to our productivity levels that were, you know, pre-drought if we really stress them too hard. As we think about those kind of circumstances, obviously when grass greens up in the spring, again, I'm thinking here of perennial grasses, it's actually taking from stored root carbohydrates to initiate leaf growth. And then once there's some leaf growth, then it starts to have photosynthesis really get engaged. And then, you know, as it starts to continue to grow, eventually we're storing carbohydrates, but that initial growth is really using stored carbohydrates to get started. How should we think about that in light of the drought conditions we're under and thinking about when we might turn out to graze? That's a great question, Aaron. 
it's a really difficult one to answer at the same time because it, it really depends upon what we have for moisture. You know, if we continue to receive, you know, small amounts of moisture, we really might not get a lot for for plant growth. And so the the longer that we leave that plant basically alone, as uh, the longer that we leave it without putting stress on it, the more energy it's going to be able to pull back and to res- reserve and to put into growth so it can, you know, do more photosynthesis. And so, uh, you know, that, that's always going to be best. Now that's a balancing act though, because as those plants start to, you know, shut down growth, as they start to go dormant, uh, they're going to start pulling back some of the, um, you know, nutrients and, and some of the things from leaves and roots and put them back into storage. You know, that's, um, we see that every fall as, you know, you look out across our native range and we start to go from green to, to, you know, the, the hues of autumn, um, and it looks really pretty, but that's those plants pulling back some of the nutrients from the leaves that they know aren't going to make it through the winter and, and putting those into storage. And that really um, starts to decrease the quality of that forage, you know, from a grazing perspective. So it's really a, a, a balancing act, you know, when we look at this, Aaron, that we're having to do from a, a looking at the animal side of things. And we need to maintain, you know, a quality diet for our animals. Um, but at the same point in time, we also need to protect our pasture health. So the longer that we can go without grazing, um, the better place we put our, our pasture into and those plants, um, we put them in a better position to make it through a drought, but that might harm the animal side of things. And so we've got to kind of walk that tightrope balance of protecting both of our, our resources and assets there and, and figuring out what works best for our operation. As you think about a drought plan, as you think about some things people may want to consider evaluating, what are my options as we move forward? What are some things that come to mind for you? I, I really think, Aaron, that it's keeping in mind the, the long-term impacts that we can have on our pasture if we start overgrazing is really important. Sometimes we do have to have a sacrifice area. Maybe we have a pasture that we're going to, to graze much too close and we're going to have to be okay with that. But trying to, to limit the impact of that and not do it across a whole ranch is, is very important because like I said, if we put too much stress on these plants, sometimes it's going to take years for our recovery to get back to normal. And if we don't keep that in mind, we might overstock, you know, overgraze again and we kind of get into this vicious cycle where um, we're continually putting too many animals out there, even though we're getting rain, you know, that pasture hasn't fully recovered and we're expecting it to produce more than, than what it's actually capable of. And we can just dig ourselves a hole and, and keep digging. Um, so keeping that in mind as, as we make decisions that um, we really don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul um, is, is really important. And looking at, you know, what can we do? Um, how can we think outside of the box? Maybe we've got some different forage options, maybe, you know, um, some dry lot options, um, providing some supplementation strategically, providing alternative forages and looking at our, our herd management, how we can reduce grazing pressure. Um, all of those things need to come to the table and, and really be thought of strategically. And, and from a system standpoint, how they all work and, and fit in together, I think is really important, Aaron. Ben, anything else on this topic you think would be valuable as we look at the prospect of drought for this spring and summer? One thing that I, I do think is important as we, you know, look at drought plans and, you know, a lot of times stored forages and, and hay is a really critical part of a lot of drought plans. And that's a really great thing. Um, just something to, to keep in mind 
especially as we're stressing our pastures. Um, you know, a lot of times we might be feeding that hay onto a pasture that is our sacrifice area. And so those plants are not going to maintain the, the vigor um, coming back. We're going to have an open canopy and that leaves the door open for weedy species to establish themselves. So if we're bringing hay in from, you know, different areas, if we're bringing low quality hay in that might have a lot of weed seed into it, into a pasture. Um, we're just really setting ourselves up for, you know, some possible invasion of weeds. Um, and that's something that we need to keep an eye on, especially if we're bringing hay from any distance. Um, you know, we might be bringing some noxious weeds or some different plants in. Um, so keeping an eye on those areas and um, coming back to them next year, um, the year after that, to make sure that there's no unique plants that we need to take care of and, and um, get control of right away before they establish themselves and become a problem. It's really important. At the same point in time, also understanding that having, you know, um, Mother Nature is really good at filling a vacuum. And so if we think back to the 2012 drought, you know, we had a lot of, of sunflowers, a lot of um, ragweed that showed up in pastures across the state following that drought. And, you know, that was, um, they're not the most desirable plants in the world. Uh, but they were filling that vacuum and they were providing some ground cover. They were providing a little bit of forage. You know, they were helping to, to heal that pasture as the main plants, those perennial plants that we wanted to see in there took their time to recover. So, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world following a, a stressful situation to see some weedy species start to establish, but we really do need to keep an eye on, you know, some of those really problematic weeds, um, making sure that they don't gain a foothold and, have to be something that we're going to have to be battling for years to come if we're taking drought precautions now. Thanks again for joining me today, Ben. Thank you, Aaron. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article that was discussed today, Pastures and Drought, Response and Impact, I would also point you to the BEEF website. There are a number of drought resources there. In fact, at the top of the beef.unl.edu website page is a banner where you can click on and find several drought resources that can be helpful as you think about your options as we look forward to potential drought this spring and summer.